Hey, it's Brandon here and I have some big news. Seven Figure Millennials is now beyond curious. I am so excited for this new brand and I would highly encourage you to go check out episode number 140 for all of the juicy details. But as a teaser for episode 140, the central question for Seven Figure Millennials, the original show from the beginning was, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? I spent over 1,000 hours researching this question and published 139 episodes. And after all of that, I have an answer. And I put together that answer in a legit masterclass that weaves together clips from previous guests all to answer that question. So if you wanna hear my answer, the why behind Beyond Curious and the vision moving forward, go check out episode number 140. But you are here listening to this episode, which I know is amazing, but I would just highly recommend you also check out episode number 140 for the full explanation behind the rebrand. All right, here's your episode. Well, hello there, my friend, and welcome to today's episode of Seven Figure Millennials, where together you and I are working on a mission together to find out how we can prioritize our happiness, health, and relationships as we bring our entrepreneurial dreams to life. If this is your very first episode, I want to say welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. And if you're returning, I say it every single week, you know how much I appreciate you for coming back week after week. And whether you are a new friend or an old friend, today you and I get to hang out with Kelly Lavelle. Kelly is the CEO of Bridging the Gap Ventures and a founding global chair of the Younger Forum. As an acclaimed youth mobilizer, global strategist, and policy advisor, Kelly has represented the voice of young people on global leadership platforms, consulted for governing bodies such as the United Nations and World Bank, and shared discussions with global leaders, including royalty. She's a three-time TEDx speaker, a top 30 under 30 sustainability leader, and Queen's Young Leader, a prestigious honor bestowed by Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II that recognizes young Young leaders under 30, creating a legacy of impact. She is passionate about bridging opportunity gaps to prepare emerging talent for the future of work and solve global challenges. And in this episode, you're going to learn so much as always, but I want you to look out for three specific things. Number one, how Kelly got her very first talk as a motivational speaker live in front of 7,000 students, which led her to where she is today, even though she got rejected twice initially. Number two, the story of Kelly getting to meet Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II herself. That was a really cool thing for her to share. And you get some behind the scenes insights about how that happened. And number three, the story behind Kelly's hair accessories and why mentors told her she shouldn't wear them, but why they've been a source of strength for her. So, so much that you're going to learn from this episode and I can't wait for you to listen. But before we dive in, I want to give a pre-show listener shout out, which this week goes to Kevin Thompson and Kevin left a review saying, totally love the guests you've been having on the show Brandon talk about a wealth of insight and perspective congratulations on getting so much momentum so quickly just goes to show that you're doing something really powerful here so appreciate that Kevin Kevin was also a previous guest on the show and he's also introduced me to some of the incredible people that have been on the show just off of the top of my head Rob Cosberg was a Kevin Thompson introduction and also John Rulin so thank you so much for that Kevin and if you're listening to my voice and you haven't had a chance to leave a review yet you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash 7f 
M and that's gonna show you how to leave a review. And if you are like, I don't wanna spend the time to write a review, that's totally cool too. You can scroll up, scroll down on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, there should be a way for you to just tap however many stars you feel like the show is deserving. It'll take just a few seconds and it'll help me a ton. But whether you choose to do that or not, I'm so excited to introduce you to the one, the only, Kelly Lavelle. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials Podcast. Kelly, welcome to the show. So excited to have you here, my friend. This is going to be a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, we're going to dive in. We're going to go all over the place, and it's going to be a ton of fun. But I thought we would start with a story that is one of your... Uh, we'll say a moment that kind of catalyzed the rest of your growth and help you to do so many other things that you've done today. So I would love to start with the very first talk that you ever gave as a motivational speaker. So it's in front of 7,000 students and how you got on that stage is an incredible story. So I'd love for you to share how you ended up making that happen. And if you can give a little bit of context as to where you were in your career at that point. Yes, of course. Well, um, so at that stage in my in my life, I was kind of going what you would call the traditional path. So I was in school doing a double honors degree in biomedical science and business. Um, so spent all my time pretty much in labs and doing calculus and all these things. And then randomly, if you look at my career, everything's been more motivational speaker, media, things that like a complete polar opposite from where I was. And so how I really started with all of that was... Um, in high school, I was um, hospitalized for three years, so pretty much didn't have a really normal teenage um, experience, um, was told that I wouldn't graduate school, and I was actually forced to drop out of school, and I was like your gun-ho academic, so that was like taking my lifeline. It was like the last thing I had, and um, I had... I ended up kind of taking my success into my own hands, taught myself all of school, ended up, long story short, graduating on time with my peers. And that, I was inspired to share that story and kind of empower my peers that if I could do it, they could too. This idea that um, our lives are determined by our circumstances is a, a false belief that we're taught very young and so I wanted to change that and show my peers that they really could uh, overcome the circumstances they were involved in and so I was called to go to the stage and share my story as a motivational speaker I didn't know what a motivational speaker really was or it was a career at that point I just felt compelled to share my story and in typical Kelly fashion, I didn't think share the story over coffee with a couple friends. I thought, let's share it live on live TV in front of a stadium of 7,000 judging teenagers <laughs> looking <laughs> back at me. And um, how I actually got that opportunity uh, was I share, I had a, uh, a mentor at the time who told, who brought me to the founders of the event um, for a, a luncheon. Um, it was like a small kind of networking event that was held by local sponsors. And afterwards in the car, I told them, I said, 
I want to speak on that stage. And he's like, oh, what a beautiful idea, Kelly. Maybe next year we can get you as a volunteer crowd pumper. I was like, <laughs> no, I want to speak on that stage. And I want to do that this year, not next year. Um, and so I, I shared my story uh, with the organizers, got rejected, shared my story again, got rejected. And then um, called up the founder and was like super persistent at the time and kind of shared with him why I thought I should be there. And um, then they let me be one of the um, opening speakers. So um, it it was kind of set the precedent for my journey over the um, over the years to come of this innate ability um, and necessity for young people to be tenacious and to um, be persistent with their goals um, and really learning that when I look back at those rejections, they were canned rejections. They were standard things that they didn't actually read my story. They didn't actually care who I was. They were team members who were told that they had a cap or they didn't know who I was, so it was a no. And so also to learn that sometimes the rejections we face aren't personal and to rise above those. Uh, and lots of really great lessons that kind of catapulted me forward. That's, that's an incredible first stage to speak on. 7,000 students live. You really went right into the fire. So I love that. And that's incredible. I, I want to zoom in a little bit on those rejections because I had a very similar story that happened to me. It was on a, a different scale, but basically it was a very similar thing where I got rejected twice. And the, the first time it came through, I immediately replied and I was like, okay, that, uh, you know, I totally understand. I'm always looking at getting better and I would love some feedback. And that was kind of the approach that I took. And then he ended up giving me feedback. And then I said, I went back and I redid the project and resent it to him. And I was like, Hey, I know that you didn't ask for this, but I do want to get better. And then I sent him the feedback. And then it was, it was kind of a similar vibe of like, I just wanted to get better. I, I didn't want to take the face value of the rejection. And that's kind of how I was able to wiggle my way into that incredible opportunity. So let's go back to those rejection letters. How did you specifically handle those situations um, that and maybe share a little bit of the details about like how you were able to approach it with the founder that actually unlocked the opportunity for you? I think the, there's a couple elements to that that it's important to learn. The first is nothing is finite. So I think the first element is the key to success. And you'll hear this across all entrepreneurs is a solutions mindset. And that's really going from a fixed um, mindset that everything is finite and final. And like that's the be all end all to everything's evolving and continually moving. And so there's always that nudge of a chance that you can change the outcome now or in the future. And I think that sense of optimism and hope um, is really important, especially in today's um, state of the world. And the second element is to understand who are the decision makers in the organization and how decision is, decisions are made. So understanding also when you're getting that rejection that often they're just the messengers. So to really understand their structure um, because oftentimes um, the, it's the ones who maybe you were originally pitching to hear your story didn't actually even see your name across their desk. And so understanding also that process helps in the initial stages for you to be less attached to that rejection and that outcome and not take it personally because you can understand these are organizations that are receiving thousands of applications probably on a daily basis depending on what you're applying for. And um, 
really when I loved your story because when I look back now even as an employer or anything when I look back at like who I hire things anything like that what everyone always is looking for is the initiative that's really what it comes down to is success will never lie behind that first or second closed door it's going to be the fifth sixth or seventh the one that everyone gives up right before they get to and it's the ones who take initiative to keep trying to keep improving those skill sets those soft skills are essential and they they set you apart from the others the accomplishments don't do that the same way there are lots of people that will have your 4.0 GPAs or a slew of accolades to match yours or um, the past work experience and projects. And so um, those material accomplishments um, are less definitive of our potential than those soft character traits uh, that show initiative, uh, motivation, and um, persistence and tenacity to overcome those hurdles. And those are the character traits that people uh, admire and look for. And that's usually how you can stand out and usually win over the hearts and minds of those who are trying to get to accept you. (laughs) Yeah. That's so much gold in what you said there, but I think that that's a massive lens that I would encourage you listening just to take on is that that first no, uh, to me, it's like when you get the first no, it's like, oh, the game is, the games have begun. Like, you know, like it's like, that's, that's definitely, I think many people look at the no and they're like, okay, it's over, but there's plenty of opportunities if you're willing to think creative, creatively and look for alternative paths that that's actually what distinguishes you from everyone else is the fact that you went above and beyond, the fact that you looked for alternative solutions, the fact that you were more persistent than everyone else, that, you know, that can be job opportunities, like you said, or it could be a deal that you're closing or a relationship you're looking at forming or a, a stage that you're looking at performing on. So just love all that that you shared. I, so I the also irony wanted, on that oh, is go ahead. my my first TEDx talk. So I'm a three-time TEDx speaker, and I had a very similar experience to um, my first motivational on that stage stadium stage is my TEDx. I got rejected three times on my first one before I got in. But my first TEDx talk was stop listening to the no's. That's what it was called. <laughs> and I had this like, thing when I was younger where it was like, I used the no's as motivation to like you to push me forward. Like at minimum, if you can, there's just so much, um, there's so much negativity in this world. Everyone's going to want to cap your dreams, put a roof over and limit the potential of how far you can fly. And so you really have to take those with a grain of salt. And the more that you can use those those nose as fuel to push you forward uh, in those initial stages can be really helpful. But um, you, you really need to, what I learned longer term is in the early stages, it was a little bit more, I want to say surface level, where it was almost like a teenage rebellion where it's like, oh, you say no, let me prove you wrong. And it was more coming from this perspective of like, yeah, it was letting me fuel me forward, but it wasn't as deep. And when I learned later on in my journey is it, I still, what was even stronger than that was developing a sense of self-worth. And once I developed a personal sense of self-worth and understanding, yeah, like, like yeah I'm awesome but like under actually like feeling that and like knowing what you bring to the table and standing in that there's a deeper confidence and um, energy that you project into the relationships that you develop that um, goes beyond anything that those the no's don't even you don't even hear the no's anymore when you have that and so I would encourage listeners to um, really kind of 
take some moments to think with themselves to see why they're going after what they're going after. Is it because it's truly a dream of theirs and something they want? Or is it because they're trying to prove something for themselves or someone else and trying to build up an identity um, to cover up maybe an underneath an element of being enough? Because Mm. once you fill that void, all the other things come into place. Okay. Amanda, you just gave me an incredible segue slash jumping off point. So I I had this highlighted. I, uh, of course, like any good interviewer that has has permission to stalk people, (laughs) I saw saw on a a caption that you posted on Instagram, and I highlighted this as a topic. Um, It was a picture that you had posted, and you made the comment on the caption, I thought that being on that stage, TEDx, would elevate my success. Looking back at it, it was more about seeking validation at a time when I was still insecure of my worth but we still, we'll save that for another story. So I guess now is the time to tell that story, but I, I want to, so maybe, maybe to expand a little bit more on what you just shared. I think the, the key word that you just shared there was worth self-worth. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I was profiled by another guest on the show. He was a, a language profile and he's like, you have confidence, but you're lacking self-confidence. Um, and I didn't understand what that meant at first. I was like, I don't really get the difference, but like, you know, there, there is a big difference and there is a massive power to sitting in your worthiness and the person that we were just talking about before we we hit record Shannon Graham a previous episode um but he he talks a lot about how your worthiness your worth is non-negotiable there's no more worthy than you're ever going to be in this moment there's nothing you can do externally it's a self-confidence game it's a it's a stepping into your worthiness game so I guess my question is as somebody that is you know initially done things from a place of insecurity but now has kind of started to more understand your worth what would be some insights that you would help people shorten that gap or bridge that gap if they're coming currently from a place of insecurity to stepping into their full worthiness? Uh, well, the first is you need to take, you need to do the time. So you need to carve out time in your day or your week to sit with yourself. Uh, it was one of those things, and this actually aligns right with the the theme of like speaking and everything. Um, so obviously to be a good speaker, you're told that you need to be effective at pauses right? You need to talk slow and you need to have pause. You need to have the silence. And a lot of people are uncomfortable with pauses. And I was speaking with a colleague and I'm like, well, why don't we want to pause? Like what's so difficult about pausing? And then someone said the silence and then it clicked because when we pause and we have silence, it allows the thoughts and the distract pauses, the distractions, and it allows us to sit with ourselves. So oftentimes we want to fill those voids with noise, with something, because we don't want to actually sit with our thoughts and hear them. And so I think the first thing is to create space for that. And it may be uncomfortable at first, but the more you do it, um, the greater you get to know yourself. Because what I learned is I had a stage in my career where So kind of rolling back and I'll try and keep this succinct, but essentially I went through um, as a teen from like 14 to 18 where all of a sudden my entire world was shattered to pieces and everything that I thought existed did not because I was ripped out from under me when I was hospitalized and things that I thought I realized I didn't even know who I was because like I would pick things because I wanted to fit in. So I didn't even know what movies I liked or did I like dance because I was a dancer or was it because my parents just put me in it since I was three. And like, so I really didn't know who I was and I went through that like that stage. 
And then I went the polar opposite. When I came out, I became a motivational speaker. I was, like you said, that external confidence beam that like I was on stage speaking. I didn't have a problem being in front of audiences and I was exuberant and had that energy. But it was surface level to the point where I hadn't done the deep work. So is I was doing it from a sense of validation and finding finding pursuing a purpose, but using it as a way to feed a, a deeper wound of not feeling enough or not feeling loved and not loving myself. And then kind of fast forward into the later part of my my career, that started to catch up to me. And I, I realized, and when I started to do some of that deep work, I, I realized that there was that void that I was kind always trying to fill whether it was like achieving an award or an accomplishment or whether it's um I would set milestones for myself to like to define my worth essentially it was like oh if I don't get this I'm not it's because it validates that I'm not good enough or if I get this then it means okay I actually might be good enough to think about this dream later on like I, I set prerequisites for myself of what I could achieve mm-hmm. and um what I learned that the best when I, when I actually found that like self-love, self-worth, and it's a, I just want to say it's a continuous journey. So it's not like, oh, I'm like this all the time. It's like you, you have your days, but it's a sense of being at peace with yourself. And I'm going to give a very specific example of how this shows up and how you see the energies change um, between someone who's more surface level confident and then someone who is like truly in their body and um, knows their worth. There often says, so when you're looking at people of influence, it, the most powerful people in the room are often the ones that are not always in the spotlight. And this was actually, I caught on to this, but not uh, intuitively. Um, when, I was, when I was young and I was kind of building my career in networking, I was at this one event. It was this Archangel event. So I had brought in all these power players from like LA and uh, you, I just like, bet you even know some of the people. But Giovanni, Gio, Giovanni's episode was, a few, it'll have come a few episodes before. There you go. So <laughs> I was there. Um, I got, I, Giovanni flew me in. Uh, I was one of like the, that he selects a couple of youth that he'll bring each time, right? So I was there and I saw this guy kind of sitting, everyone was networking at the time and I saw this like one guy, he was just sitting at the table. He was like totally casual. He wasn't like engaging and trying to connect with everyone. And so I struck up a conversation with him and went to him as opposed to like going where all the swarm of people were, where we're like, we're supposed to be the important people, right? So I went to this other guy and was like, hi, I'm Kelly, introduced myself, made friends with him. Um, And afterwards, people were coming up to me like, do you know who that was? Do you know who that was? I'm like, no, I just was saying, being friendly and saying hi to someone who was clearly not engaged in something else. And he, it turns out he was the most powerful person in the room. He was this like uber millionaire connector guy that like he was like the power player out of everyone in the audience. And you see this often. It's like how can you tell old money versus new money, all those types of things. The difference is oftentimes is the ones, the most powerful people that are like true influence, they're so comfortable and at peace with themselves and their skins, they don't have to prove anything to anyone. So they're like total chill, they're total just like at peace and they have this like calm demeanor to them. And um, I think that comes from this sense of like, I know my worth, so I don't need to engage in anything to define that worth. So they do things from a place of, 
their true, truly what they want to do rather than trying to meet other people's expectations. Mm. And on the flip side of that, they are strong enough in their resolve where they will say no when it doesn't align with their values and expectations. And I think that is my biggest compass point is I can tell when I'm slipping is when I'm starting to go into my people pleaser mode where I start to sacrifice and say yes to things um, instead of when I was really supposed to say no. And there's, there's power in saying no. And when you say no to someone else, you're saying yes to yourself. And that was a big lesson for me to learn. So I would say, rolling back, super long answer to say, one, take pauses. Try and have silence so you can listen to your inner thoughts and start to figure out who you are underneath all these job titles, accolades. Um, I'm not even going to say just accolades. Also, your problems, your failures, because we often define ourselves equally to the... Um, what I'll say is unsatisfactory circumstances in our lives of things that have happened to us. We like to carry our wounds just as much as we like to carry our accolades. So take that all away. Like who are you other than those roles? Try and figure out what that is and then find practices that bring you peace because when you find that self-peace, that's when you step into your true power, when you're not navigating from this busy mind, but you're navigating more from a centered heart. And um, when you find that place, you'll notice the energy and dynamic of relationships changing because you'll start to make decisions that are actually for you as opposed to what you think other people want you to say. Mm -hmm. And um, those are some key flags for me. And like I said, it's a continual journey, but my big one for me is when I start to sacrifice myself for other people, then I know, oops, I'm moving away <laughs> from, from my center. And then I kind of recalibrate. So, so much value. I love that story. I love that visual of you just sitting and engaging with that guy at the table. I had a very similar situation happen to me and I, I struck up a conversation with someone and I found out that he was the main speaker and it ended up being Keith Cunningham, who was one of the rich dad, rich dads and rich dad, poor dad. But like, he was just chilling. Like nobody was talking to him. So I just See? sat next to him and I was like, I had no idea who the hell I was talking. Sometimes that's good because if you get too much in your head, uh, you, you, you worry about saying things the right way. But if you just connect authentically, that's sometimes where the magic happens. So that's, that's so cool. I think this is related. Um, but I also came across an analogy that you love using that has to do with an anchor in the ocean. I think this kind of has to do with what we're talking about. Would you mind sharing that? Yes, yes. So um, like I said, the, the I'm enough thing was like my biggest construct that I realized was like my issue. Like when, when you look at everyone's journey, there's usually about maybe three core limiting beliefs that most people struggle with. And it's like one of those three cores that are like underneath all the layers of all the things that you tell yourself. One of the core ones is, I'm enough. Another one has to do with a fear of abandonment or, or loss. And, and there's a couple others. But for me, though, I am enough was the big one for me. And so um, I use this analogy of being um, a boat in the in the, a very tu uh, tum tumbleous, I'd, turbulent Tumultuous. It is like, okay, very stormy ocean. We're just going to say that. Lots of waves. Um, and this idea that um, your sense of self-worth and um, that that sense of um, 
self-confidence, remember going back to what you said, self-confidence versus external confidence, um, is your anchor. So you're going to a direction, maybe you're going to this awesome island that you want to go to and there's this tide in this ocean that's pushing you in the other way. The tide has to do with like all the um, external pressures, society pressures, expectations from parents, friends, loved ones, etc. pushing you in a different direction and that's your anchor. So your self-worth is your anchor so you don't get pushed off course and you can stay on course to where you truly want to go from your own center. Uh, so it's it's definitely so important as a leader to have that anchor because in business, if you want to be an entrepreneur, this isn't just even like a self-personal development talk that we're talking about. This applies directly into your business because if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to have an amazing idea. People are going to love it. And once they attach to it, what they're going to do is tell you all the different ways you need to change it and why what you're thinking is wrong. And you need to have an anchor to know why you founded your business, what it stands for, and what are your value principles that you're not going to sacrifice. And that for me is also equally your anchor because as you're getting pushed by investors or customers or um, your team members, anyone, they're going to be keep pushing you with those ties in different directions. And to stay on course, you need to have a very solid anchor. Mm. Yeah. And it's so funny. It's really hard too sometimes because I personally feel this sometimes when I do that work, it feels like, oh, I'm, I should be working on other things. I should be working on like things that are more public facing or, you know, doing that kind of stuff. But really like the, like those anchors, like you said, it's just like, if you don't have that, you kind of just drift at the, you know, push of other people and then it gets really hard. And so sometimes giving yourself permission to do that work is huge. And I, I, I sometimes still struggle with that, but like, that's the, that's the most important work that we can be doing. So I appreciate you sharing all of that. And I think, um, another, uh, uh, you mentioned something that made me think of this, so I, I don't, I'm not going to tie it perfectly, but, uh, hair accessories, tell me about hair accessories. Uh, but that's, that's, that's why, that's why I think I was thinking about self-confidence versus confidence. So talk to us about hair accessories. <laughs> Your listeners must be like, what is this conversation? Yeah, they, can't, they, no. they can't, they can't stop listening now. They're here. You're, they're stuck, you really they're stuck with You're going to need to listen to the ad to know how this all connects together. Um, so, <laughs> So when we're talking, like I said, when we're talking about like self-confidence and so on um, and kind of going, not really sacrificing values and who you are to fit in, that's a big one for me is breaking the mold. And um, in, a theme in my journey is kind of redefining what innovation looks like. So I, you, not that all the listeners can't see me, but I have um, a young kind of feminine look to me that doesn't really fit the vibe of powerful CEO um, or <laughs> entrepreneur at the time. Um, and so... Um, I had this kind of quirk where I loved flower hair accessories and I would always have these hair accessories. And so I was pressured a lot by advisors and mentors to ditch the hair accessory because um, I wouldn't be taken seriously in boardrooms and um, already I kind of didn't fit the mold. Um, and it became a little bit similar to like when we we're talking about the rejections, all of it came this little like mini rebellion for me of this idea like the one thing that like represents me in a situation. And so I kept I kept the hair accessory as like this symbol and reminder for me to stay true to who I was amidst my journey. So despite kind of the pressures I would get from um, business circles or uh, society and different things that I, I would have some sort of token that remind me, okay, this is Kelly and I'm gonna um, stick to my values. 
And over time, it ended up becoming this trademark look for me. And so then down the road, it became an asset and a strength rather than a weakness because I embraced it as such. And I think that's the key difference is it's when you embrace the weaknesses as a strength and accept them rather than reject them that they can actually turn into a strength for you. So the more you just reject and hide these elements that you're not happy with of yourself or or so on, they... They don't have the ability to transform and transmute, essentially. So essentially, what and then it became a trademark look. And then I got CEOs asking me the one time when I would have them. They're like, hey, Kelly, like, where's your hair scissor? You thought this was like a thing for you. And if you Google me afterwards online, you're like curious of like, is this really a thing? If you Google me, you'll find... Every picture on Google has a hair accessory, so it really was a thing. It's <laughs> so is it is it safe to say that it started from a place of almost? It's almost the exact same thing we were just talking about: self confidence versus confidence. Like initially, it was like you were just putting it on because you felt insecure and you wanted a way of standing out. But like as you stepped into your worth, it became symbolic that it actually was you, and then it turned into so the meaning of it kind of shifted over time. Is that accurate yeah. to say? Yes. And I would say that's the evolution of confidence too, is um, the the think, act, be. So this idea that confidence doesn't just snap your fingers and you're confident. There is a stage in a process to that where you first have to push yourself into uncomfortable situations, think and act in a certain way that may be foreign to you, where it's like you're super nervous inside, but you're appearing confident externally. And then the third element to that is B, when you fully embrace that and it's like, yes, I'm content with this. And now I show up as my full self. And um, the evolution of the hair accessory was very similar. It started off as a surface level thing. It ended up taking on deeper meaning and then eventually became an embodiment of my self-confidence. Mm. Okay, I'm going to follow this trail of the hair accessory for just a little bit longer. So um, one of the, uh, obviously, like you said, anybody can look up on, on Google and they'll find an image. One of or images of you wearing the hair accessories. One of those images that you might see uh, is you in Buckingham Palace. So would you mind talking a little bit about that story, how you ended up there and what you were doing there? Yes, that image is me shaking the hands with the queen, I believe. That would be uh, so, <laughs> uh, that I received the Queen's Young Leader Award um, at the age of 23 uh, and had literally this Princess Diaries moment where I was flown to England, my first time ever going to Europe, to um, go to Buckingham Palace and meet the royal family and receive this award. Um, and it was an award that recognized uh, young people under 30 creating a legacy of change across the different Commonwealth countries. Um, and I had the opportunity to meet peers from each of those Commonwealth countries and connect them with, again, this global community. And for me, um, it was really, uh, I always think with all the different awards uh, that it's not the, like I said, the beginning stages, it was a thing about self-worth. But down the road, what I realized the benefit of each of those awards was the communities of being connected in with these global ecosystems of change makers that continue to push me forward uh, and raise the bar and encourage me to continue to go after the dreams and the impact that I wanted to create in the world. Um, and so I'm, I was very grateful for connecting in with that community, but it was a very surreal experience. I remember distinctly sitting on this plane, going to England, and I had this like beautiful couple be 
beside older couple beside me and they're like oh hi like what they're from england and they're like oh they struggled because they're like what are you doing here i'm like oh, i'm going to meet the queen and they're like we've lived here all our lives and i don't think we've ever heard that before <laughs> it was just a, an interesting scenario but um yeah there's some funny stories in there that we'll have to say for another time but um it again it's all around understanding i think it's really important for any goal that any of our listeners are going after right now i just continually ask myself and do self checks now of like why do i want this and not and then also if you find yourself saying you need it that that's a really good sign that you want to take a double check on that to see truly why and if you've set prerequisites on a goal um, subconsciously so you want to get you need to achieve x before you're going to go after that job that you want or mm. you're going to you need to make x amount of money before you're going to make the decision to um i don't know live in a certain place or to do this self-improvement we give ourselves many excuses and a one hidden way we give ourselves excuses is we create goals that are far off or seem a little bit more ambitious as a way to kind of keep ourselves in our comfort zone and then it's only like we use those goals as a sign of like okay once i hit that roof then i'm good enough to go on to this bigger and better thing that i know i'm worthy inside to have and so I just kind of encourage our listeners to have those self-checks and those questions. And that's a really good compass point for you to figure out where you're headed and why you want to head that way. Mm -hmm. Conditional conditional worth versus just stepping into it. Um, I think I, I just because Shannon Graham is the one person that I've heard talk about this specifically. He talks about like if you were a parent and your kid asked you, you know, mommy or daddy, why do you love me? If you were any, you know, a, a parent that was wanted to express the truth, you would say just because you wouldn't say because you're cute or because you do X, Y, Z, because the moment that you would give an external reason or add a because to that, you add a condition to their love. Um, and so I don't know, I think that, that that's that's part of the journey that we're all on. And I love how you take a a self-check and experimentation, you realize that it's not a perfect science, that there are plenty of times when you're going to be stepping off and you just need to check in with yourself and realize that, hey, I might be drifting a little bit and I need to step back into it. Um, so I, I love all that. There was also something else that you said that I think ties back to what you mentioned before is your one of your first TED Talks was the listening to the nose. And I know in that TED Talk, you talk about how there's, um, you know, the old model of going to work, getting married, getting a house, pursuing your passion before retirement. Um, but also in that talk, you provide an alternative to that old model. And I think that kind of is related to what we were just talking about. So I'd love for you to share what that new model is and how we can go about thinking that way. Yes. Well, I think especially in the state of our world today, one thing that's very clear is um, the pathway to our future is uncertain. And there is, we're still though kind of given a prescribed pathway to success and it doesn't matter which industry you choose there's always a distinct pathway of what it defines to be successful and even when you start a business you're given like the business canvas and you're given a certain things like do these steps and you're going to achieve your dream or your goal and what I've learned is there's no distinct one-way ladder to success and particularly in today's time it's all about really taking ownership in our success and for me one of the biggest ways that you needed before you do anything is you need to find your passion you need to find your spark and your purpose and use that as a compass so we're talking we're talking about different analogies and I'm a very visual person so I like to view this one as like you're in a forest and you don't know how to get out of the forest and there's 
one that's like that maybe there's this one pathway it's like like all the carriages go down this pathway you should go down this pathway too and who knows maybe there's a dragon there that now like has taken up path and you you just don't know anymore this one pathway that it just everyone goes down all the time and so you have this the way to find your way out of this forest is your passion compass it's it's that spark it's that light inside of you that like lights up your eyes that you lose time on that you can find yourself doing to like 2 a.m or you wake up super in the morning because you're super excited to do something it's that one thing that's consistent in your life that maybe in times of stress you always find yourself going back and drawing and doing sketches or whatever it is now your passion doesn't can take different forms people will say well your passion doesn't always translate to your career and other things like if I like sports I can't oh not everyone can be an NBA star yes but if you like sports there's a variety of different ways that that can be incorporated into your career maybe you do marketing for a sports agency maybe you become a talent agent maybe you develop basketballs maybe you create products for sports like there's so many ancillary elements that that passion could still be infused into your life in just a different form and so um, I'm not saying like find your passion and you're going to achieve it I'm saying find the thing that's like your spark that you just feel always called to that's thematic in your life and let that guide you in 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 finding your way and when we come from that heart-centered place of purpose and passion, what we do is we find that our pathway organically evolves. And the right people come into the play, into the spectrum to show us that way. And that's what I found uh, in my journey is I had no clue what I was going to do. Like I said, I started in biomedical science and then ended up becoming this motivational speaker and motivational speaker wasn't even like a career in my mind at the time and so it was like I had no clue where I was going but what I kept doing was like my spark at that time was I was extremely fascinated and inspired by my generation of all these young leaders that I was meeting and their conviction to want to create a better world and the incredible projects that they were doing engineering technologies that restored sight to the blind and all these cool things and seen this um, discrepancy of the image of what the youth I was meeting were doing for the world and at the time the negative media image that young people were known for and they were like it was the time where like young people were known as self-centered generation and the me generation and all these things and I was like well this is like complete opposite to the people that I'm meeting and so I was inspired to want to bring visibility find ways to connect them and elevate what they were doing and I had no clue what that would turn into at the time. But I kept sharing that passion. Mentors kept coming along, introduced me, ended up getting into the media industry, produced a TV show that spotlighted stories of change from young people, learned a bunch of new skills, made some powerful connections, then realized that media was a first step, but then it was skills. Youth needed skills and resources, so ended up putting on a tech hat, becoming a tech entrepreneur, building up some tech startups that helped them develop their skills. And fast forward, took me probably another five, five years to like actually figure out what it was that I was doing. But at its core, it was upskilling youth for the future digital economy. It was help upskilling youth for these future job opportunities and things that didn't exist and helping to create opportunities for that youth-led innovation to thrive and and connect into existing structures and ecosystems. Um, so you don't need to know where you're headed to take that first step mm -hmm. and to continue to take that step after step. 
What you need to know is why you're headed there and what light you're following. And I think if we lead head first and we're just going a pathway because we're told that that's going to lead us to an ambiguous outcome of a future that we want, if we did this ambiguous thing and we want to be successful, we want to have enough money or whatever it is that we're going after, you don't even know if you're going the right way. You're just following this path on the ground that could be leading you, like I said, to a dragon's dungeon for all you know. You have to find that inner strength and that goes back to the beginning part of our conversation. Find your anchor. Figure out what you stand for. Figure out what makes you light up and is like brings you joy and um, a sense of peace because then you can take on any of the challenges that come your way, any of the resistance that you're going to get. You've already found your center. So when those tides come and push you away, you're okay. You got your anchor. Um, and so... It's a, it's a different path, but I think more than ever now, especially for our, our youth generation, uh, traditional education pathways are not necessarily preparing us for the, the current world, let alone the future world that we're living in. And so we need to take initiative, which is something that you brought up at the very beginning. We need that initiative and that motivation to take our futures into our own hands and to navigate that way and be okay with uncertainty at times because you might you don't need to know the final destination to keep taking those steps. Oh man, so much to unpack there. Uh, a few things that I want to just comment on. Just uh, my my listening skills attuned to three words that Kelly just said there. She said, "My spark at that time, at that time." So I think that's another thing that like is really important for for everyone to consider is that your the way you manifest the spark can change. Like the the out the way that you're doing that can change. And it's, it's okay to not have it all figured out. And something that I, you know, continue to give myself more permission every day. It's like, you don't have to have it all figured out to move forward in the direction that you want to head. So that was really key. The other example that you said too, the, the, the example just popped in your head is sports. And so I just wanted to go back to that for just a second. Cause if you're listening, it's like, if sports is your thing, and if it's a particular sport, I would encourage you to think too, what is the layer beneath the sports? Or like, if you go across multiple tiers of the stories that light you up, what are the kind of connecting points that connect those things? So don't look at like the surface level, but rather what's the meaning of why that particular sport, what that maybe had to do with some earlier experiences that you had. Um, and I'm going through this, this journey of getting more clarity on this myself right now. And I would, a, a few resources if anybody wants to explore this topic. Uh, one of them is the book Unique Ability 2.0 by Dan Sullivan, Shannon Waller. I don't know uh, all, the, all the authors of that, but that's, that's a really good one. And also Find Your Why by Simon Sinek. It's the companion book to start with why, uh, but the, he kind of has you go through and articulate all the important stories that are in your life, the high points and the low points. And then kind of like what I was just saying, I think that that helps you to identify the overarching commonalities rather than the unique specific instances themselves. You can start to see all those patterns. So um, all that, and the other, the, there's two other things that I, I, I just kind of made a mental note of talking about. You, um, you know, you, you're talking about how your passion, and I came across this on your site, is bridging opportunity gaps to pr prepare you for the future and create pathways to drive action for the global challenges you care about. So I love that you were able to kind of, as you continued, it became clearer and clearer as to what those things are. And one of the projects that led you to was this book that you wrote called The Power of Youth. 
So I know I, I said a lot, so you can obviously feel free to make any comments on anything I said, but I, I would love to maybe hear, um, I'll, I'll toss out a few names. I would love to hear about the power of youth and maybe specifically either Maddie Barnett, Halen Aslos, or, or Rachel Parent, if there's any of one of those stories that you'd be interested in sharing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you've really done your great homework. Uh, yes, yeah, so um, like I said, the way my journey started was this idea, this fascination of all the thing change that young people are creating in this world. And I would discover um, like these 10-year-old CEOs and just be um, completely enthralled by their stories. And so I felt, again, just following that spark, I wasn't really sure where it was headed, but this spark of this feeling this pull to want to share those stories in a more complete way. So I created this book called Power of Youth, um, released it back in 2017 uh, to the UN Envoy on Youth, uh, which is actually how I got into the UN circle. So I spent the last five years um, leading uh, portfolios that drive young people to achieve the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And the way I even got into the UN circles or was introduced, my first trip was to give this book to the UN envoy. It was his last event that he was before he was passing the torch to the next envoy. And um, I had a couple mentors that were able to get me an invite. So I came that eager, passionate person, a young girl with the book in my hands. I was like, and I was determined. I had no appointment with him. I just was determined to grab him and give him <laughs> this book. And um, along the way, I met some really cool people that worked at the UN while I was there made some connections and then ended up getting called back to speak like five times that year um, as a youth voice and then kind of start to build from there. So again, you may not know where that final destination is, but if you just keep following those, those steps, and for me, it was creating this book. And so we had stories in there, just incredible stories. Um, uh, Halen was, I think at the time, oh gosh, he was... I think five, uh, he was like five or six and he like created this, his own ice cream business that was raising thousands of dollars to um, help uh, lo his local homeless and community. He had, we had others that were, um, I had a Romanian entrepreneur who was like um, 18 that was creating, um, he had a sister that had a disability and so he was fascinated with engineering technologies that um, restored abilities um, and he was working on these cool glasses that was restored restoring sight to those who were um, visually impaired. Um, then I had another 18-year-old from Canada who discovered a cure for malaria. It was just, these were the stories that kept my fire ablaze during everything that was happening. And um, that's what kind of was my, con my consistency. Like you went, you mentioned that you unpacked some really good underlying, underlying excuse me, underlying elements to what I was saying earlier. Um, the first of being, um, what is the connector between those experiences that are sparking your passion? Because you're right, it's not the label, it's not maybe the activity, the sport itself, but it's something of what that means to you. And what I found was consistent in everything that I did, whether it was media or tech or motivational speaking, was this uh, passion and conviction to want to create opportunity for young people to be able to pursue their goals and overcome their circumstances. And if we look back at what we discovered and talked about in this session, going back, that actually connects to my personal story, right? Like in the in my early stages as a teen, I was told what my future could hold. I was limited in terms of what I could achieve. And I overcame that and was inspired to become a motivational speaker to help my peers see that. 
And then over time that evolved of, okay, now I help, need to help them build skills or I want to bring media visibility to their story. But the core never changed. The core of I want to create opportunity for youth and to, and to reach their own potential has always been a key theme. And when you find that consistency, um, consistency breeds mastery. So over time, if you stay consistent on your values and your mission, what you will find is that consistency will be recognized by others externally down the road. I've had um, executives come back to me a couple years later. It's like, hey, Kelly, like, I'm sorry we couldn't do that deal with you with this with this big Fortune 100 brand that I was working with or something. And then they'll come back and be like, you know what? I'm just so impressed that you stay so consistent on your mission and what you, you, you practice what you preach, so to speak, and you stay true to that your entire journey. And then they've come back and wanted to do business with me. Uh, consistency always trumps any, any kind of accolade or anything else you might be pushing. People like reliability and consistency, especially during a time when there's so much uncertainty and rapid change. And the way that you can build that in this um, kind of turbulent time is by being consistent on how you show up, Hmm. what you stand for, how you show up to others. Those are the one thing that is always in your control. And so I think when you master that, then you can master anything else that comes into your field. Mm. I would go, I would also, I, I'm doing, I'm taking improv classes right now, which is just a fun thing that I'm doing with my wife, but there's a the thing that they say, yes, and, you know, whatever you're doing a scene, you don't want the, the scene to end. So yes, and, um, uh, I think naming and labeling those things as well is very, very important. So like the moment that you can identify those commonalities that, that are consistently consistent in your journey um, the more you can put a name and label on it, you can externalize it and then it becomes a thing instead of just kind of this nebulous concept in your mind. That was the topic that came through, uh, another guest Blair Dunkley on the show is just the importance of not only identifying, but then placing a label name and label on it so that you can then it's more, um, implementable, uh, concrete, I guess it, once, once it's more consistent. So, um, love, love that insight. Um, the top, the top number one skill that the world needs right now. Um, we were just having. I just had a session with UNESCO um, where we were talking about the skills youth need to succeed in the future. And this isn't just for youth, just as a preface. That was just the topic. Yeah. But um, the the top skill, and we would think our logic brain would think, oh, it's something like coding or something like techie because we're we're living in a digital future, and it's it's curiosity. Mm-hmm. And what I would encourage our listeners to be is to first be curious about yourself before being curious about the world. Because when you're curious about yourself, you're gonna keep asking yourself those questions. You're gonna keep pushing your skills to new limits and trying new things. And in that process, you're going to find that spark. And um, process of elimination is just as effective. So I, I also encourage a lot of people if they're like still trying to find their way, it's just as effective to figure out trying new things and being like, okay, well that one wasn't for me. <laughs> like, okay, this didn't feel right, but this kind of did. You can, it, that works just as effectively too. But um, I just want to also kind of note that like no one has it all figured out and there isn't like one pathway. And I think that's kind of the crux of what we're trying to say here. And if you have some of the regular listeners on your channel will probably have noticed that every guest you bring on 
always has some sort of organic story and journey to their success. Like there isn't, and I, that's one consistency I see with every entrepreneur. It's never like someone's like, oh, I just wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I did step one through five and became that. It's always like they had this spark. They had this inkling in them that like brought them to this experience that gave them this idea. Then it was their passion and their energy surrounding that idea that brought the right team together. That's why the why is so important with Simon Singnick is because it's not about the tech you're building. It's not about the outcome. It's the why that you're leading it. That's why the founder spark is so important. Uh, that's what everyone believes in. That's what everyone invests in, including your customers. And it's through that you build your team, you find, and then you move on to your next thing. And you're always driven by that little inkling of that spark, which is your passion. Um, so it's an organic journey for everyone. And I think when we accept that, then we stop putting so much pressure on ourselves to be like, oh, I should be here because everyone else around me is here and I'm back here at this stage of my life. Uh, I just think we're all on different trajectories, but the commonality is we all have one sp a spark. I was I'm going to say one spark, but to your point, it can evolve and change, but we have a central spark that is driving and lighting us towards certain things. And if we can listen to that niggle a little bit more, we may find a more happy and fulfilled uh, journey ahead of us. Mm. Oh man, so, so, so good. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I would encourage anyone to hit the, the skip back button a few times, and just re-listen to everything that Kelly just said. <laughs> so good. Um, uh, there's, there's a topic that I knew that I had to cover and I'm just, and, and this is me just being super, this is me being curious. And I'm always curious is I, you are one of the, I don't know how to say this. You're one of the most well-connected people of our age that, that, that I would say it's like, I, I, I sometimes feel like a little bit of an alien that I like, I, it comes connecting with people seems very, is very natural to me. And like, and, and you are so incredibly well connected and you have so many powerful mentors and incredible speakers that come to your events. And so, uh, I, you know, it's, it's, I've just, I just really admire that about you. So I would love to hear a little bit about some of your insights on how, if you have any philosophies on how you've been able to develop some of these connections, how you continue to add value to these people, how you acquire mentorship. I know that's kind of like a, a really big umbrella, but I mean, you're, you're clearly doing something right in the world of developing relationships with incredible people. So I would love to hear some of your philosophies on that. Thank you. Yes. Um, and I guess one way that I formalize that and so for, to, for the, the listeners to have some context is, um, I, in 2020, I founded Younga, which is uh, a global youth takeover event that connects young people with top-level decision makers around the world around co-creating solutions to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So essentially, it, we've connected youth with the Undersecretary General of the United Nations, Director General of World Health Organization, to celebrities like Pitbull and Cara Delevingne and different individuals. And so what I'm really passionate about is intergenerational and intersectional connections. And so for me, those are just fancy words to say that people from different lived experiences, walks of life, and different career tra trajectories. So bringing someone in from a leader of a country to someone who's like a, a pop star. And the magic that happens when you mix entertainment and media with innovation and leadership um it's just there's some magic that happens when we cross populate and i think of it more like the brain and this idea that um our society likes to polarize so much your left or right your um your science your art we always like to polarize but 
we can't operate as humans if we didn't have both sides of the brains interconnecting and working together and blending. And I think our world could be in a, such a different place if we had the same uh, approach to solving solution, uh, uh, solving solutions, solving our global challenges, creating the solutions and bringing together um, more inclusive spaces. And so to answer your question, how I do that is connected to the root of what we're talking about today. And I do want to get tangible because I want to make sure the listeners um, get some tangibles as well. So I will try and and help with that because I don't want to make the listeners be like, oh, it's all just fluffy, like find your passion, believe in yourself, you got this. It's not really like that. What What I am encouraging you is that spark of that passion is so important because when you can articulate that passion, that is what forms the seed of all the relationships. Passion mixed with consistency and integrity are how I've been able to build relationships. I show up as I am. I stick with what I, what I, what I stand for. So I don't sacrifice my values to people please. And there's a, like we talked about this sense of gentle strength that comes with that. And the most important way of how I infiltrated, you know, these spaces that like, whether it's the Royal, like the Royal family, the UN, all these different places that I've been. Um, I have a quite an interesting journey when you mix it all together when I look back at it, but how I got all to those spaces is showing up as I am with a clear passion of like, I've knocked on people's door, not afraid of rejection and being like, Hey, I'm really passionate about, about connecting your message to global youth. Youth need hope and inspiration. You stand for that. Please allow me the opportunity to put you on that stage and connect these young people who need that. And I've just kind of been consistent on like, this is my why. This is why I'm doing it. And if you believe in this why, you should be a part of this. And so what I encourage listeners to do is do that work. Be curious about yourself, get clear on what your why is, and once you understand that that spark, the relationships will come from there. And the way you re the and it's the second element to this I really want to emphasize for like good relationship building. And I and Brandon, you're you're probably the most impressive super connector that I have met. So I think that you'll probably practice a lot of these things already. But it's not about the first connection point. And I think that's super important for us to understand is two things. Building relationships not for what you can get out of them. So being of service to someone else first. So that's the first tip of like getting a mentor or something. It's not like, hey, like, do you have time in your busy schedule so I can benefit from learning from you? Like, it's just, that's not going to get you the yes. Um, The second element is like, so it's more so, can I be of service to you? Hey, I noticed I can connect you with this person that might help you with this project. So being genuinely interested in what they're doing, finding a connection point where you can be of service to them. So add value to them before they provide value to you. And then the third one is long-term relationships. I'm in the business of building bridges. My company's called Bridging the Gap. So it's literally in our name. But um, building bridges means that you have the integrity to maintain that relationship. And it's not a flash in the pan. It's not like, hey, I'll get what I want out of you. And then I'm going to drop you. It's how do you nurture that relationship and keep consistent touch points with them. So it shows that you're genuinely care about that relationship and those are practices everyone can make at different scales um 
but you got to start first with understanding why you want to connect with them. And it's okay if you want to connect with someone because you they can benefit you, but you should look at how can you add value to them in return. Like it's mm. just a, it's a two-way street. And the more you build relationships with that two-way street in mind, um, I think the stronger you'll become at connecting because what you'll find is every circle I've been into, it doesn't matter what sector it is, uh, every sector is super small once you're in it. It's just a certain connector points and the best way to be in a circle is to show up very small percentage actually show up. So you consistently show up. That's how that's how everyone got to know me at the UN was I just kept showing up at the events to the point where everyone started to recognize my face. And they're like, hey, I keep seeing you at these events. I'm like, yeah. And then I connected because a very few people continue to show up. And um, I think that's the best way to do it. It's just be yourself, show up, have integrity and Keep your word on what you promise people. And um, ha- having a little bit of um, a, um, that extra spark of enthusiasm for what you care about doesn't hurt. Yeah. So I, I 100% agree with literally everything that you said. Those, those are things that I agree with. I'm curious if you've ever thought about this. Um, and I, I, I want to explore this with you a little bit more because I think that what you've built – that was just a natural byproduct of you serving the world actually became one of the strongest leverage points that you could ever have to develop relationships with the most highest caliber people in the world. So like, this is something that I've never seen anyone do this at your level, Kelly. And I don't know if you've, you've understood this or maybe you've, you have, but like, we're just doing it from a place of heart and like, haven't even articulated it. But like my observation is that the world's most successful people aren't, at the point where they're motivated by more exposure, they're not motivated by more money, they're, like those things are another connection, like it's it's cool, but what really motivates the most elite people in the world is a sense of giving back the legacy that they've created, the knowledge that they've earned to the next generation. And I think that that is just such a, you're, it's, you're, you're truly bridging the gap because there are, there are so many incredible people out there that want nothing more at this stage in their career and their life than to give back to people that are actually going to implement and use what they do. Um, so I, I, I don't think you expressly mentioned that. It's just, it just happens to be one of your points that you can add value to people. So I guess just a straight up question, like have you viewed that as one of the ways that you're able to connect with people is the fact that high level people just resonate with distributing their message and sharing and making an impact on the next generation? So it's interesting that you bring this up and ask me if it's like in my field of awareness is um, I often find that our, our talents are the one like we're taught that like work has to be hard, right? And like everything should be like something that we, we have to strive for and work at. But what I've actually learned looking back on my journey, it's actually the innate qualities that you do without thinking that are actually your your greatest strengths. And yeah. for me, you're right, is I, I, I have been like this connector and I've always loved connecting dots and just connecting people together to create value. And I never thought anything of it. And um, I will say that a lot of the things that I do are very impact driven, that I'm not doing them because it's like, oh, this is going to be a really profitable idea. In fact, that's always been my hardest journey. It's like getting people to coach me to like, Kelly, you can't just do everything out of the goodness of your heart. You've got (laughs) to have sustainability. So it's more the opposite of that. But um, I think because I've always been heart driven that I'm starting to see that it's that heart connect, which becoming a thing that heart-centered leaders are actually evolving a lot more and you're seeing that a lot more in business. Um, I think I've innately always led like that. 
And in the beginning, that created issues because I would be trusting of a lot of individuals. And so I got burned along the way to, but you know what? It's not, and I used to kind of, um, uh, like look at it as a fault of mine that I was like, oh, I'm too trusting. But when I look back, it's actually like, it's one of my hidden strengths that because I'm trusting, I can, I lead with my heart and that's a good thing. I just have to learn how to see the signs, the character traits to build better relationships and select those relationships. Mm. And I've learned that over time. So I would say the legacy element is so essential uh, and you see that come out in different ways. You learn, we can't take the material things when we die, but we can leave a legacy behind. There's certain elements and people get to that stage. But I think it has to do with two because a legacy isn't something that you can necessarily buy or control. It's something that has to be genuine. And I think that's why you see a lot of leaders when they get later in their career, that they start to look to do that because they've done it, been there, done everything else. And then they finally get the light bulb moments like, ah, well, this is the only thing that mattered was the legacy that I haven't done. So now they want an outlet. Um, but just taking that all away and we just get really like simple for a minute is at the end of the day, um, we're hu humans, human connection is so essential. And we innately in our being, I feel, are here to exchange information and um, talents with each other. And so... I, I really believe in the magic of that reverse mentorship. I don't think um, a lot of like if, when people look at what I do, it might look like, oh, it's just like youth versus the next generation. It's actually a lot of the work is intergenerational. And that's yeah. so important for me because I feel that our leaders learn just as much from meeting these bright young minds as much as the bright young minds benefit from learning from someone who's been around the block a couple times because mm -hmm. we can come with all the passion and energy in the world, but there's wisdom that comes with experience and that's something that we can't gain superficially it's something that we can only be guided by those who have been there already and or learn through our own experiences mm. and so um yeah I would say just to kind of close that off that Yunga was an element that it it's one of my I guess proudest projects at this point but it was the way it came about was like you said, it was. Um, I founded Yunga because one, I realized there's a point in my career where everyone, all of these youth I was mentoring, just kept asking me, like, "How do you know all these people? How do you connect with them?" And I was just seeing this gap of all these bright young minds in communities who had barriers to education and employment, who just don't have access to the resources that we have, or the ability to navigate LinkedIn's and all these things to build those types of mentors. I was like, well, can't I just create a platform that could connect in all these wise wisdom teachers of this world and connect them in with young people who have that passion and spark to apply that knowledge in new ways and actually address some of these global challenges. And so it actually came from a spark of wanting to create a connection platform. And so I just want to acknowledge you because you saw that? And it's just really interesting because it, it's such a um, hidden layer of what we do. Like, you know, it's just kind of like a bottom layer. But um, it's so, it is really critical because that was the whole idea is like, can we not connect the greatest minds of today and tomorrow together and um, build bridges for those who are being left out of opportunity? Because I just, 
feel it's so much untapped potential that we're losing out on on a daily basis just because someone's not connected into the right circle or was born in a specific place that doesn't have the right resources doesn't mean they don't have keys to share with this world. And um, that's my passion and what I feel so grateful to learn so early on in my life so I can spend the majority of my life creating a legacy that impacts the lives of others and I will continue to lead that way. And I just want to say to everyone listening, that is that is how, well, the roundabout way that I ended up reaching out to Kelly is that I connected with uh, Jeff Hoffman, who is one of Kelly's mentors forever ago at an event. And I've always just followed Jeff from afar. He was really inspirational to me. And I checked out some of Jeff's stuff and he was working with Kelly. And then I found Yunga and I like reached out to Kelly and I was basically like, please, for the love of God, let me help you somehow. Like I like for like whatever you're doing is so incredible in the world. I just like, I have these connections. Like I, I and I want to, I want to help. So I'm just making that public commitment to you, Kelly, as I, I just would love to continue to explore that because it's like, that is so, I would not like, I did not have the resources always growing up, but it was because I had to figure, I figured out how to connect with people is like that. I was able to learn all these things that I think I, I just feel so blessed that I was able to do that. And so I feel a huge calling to share some of those systems and methodologies that I developed with, with people. So, um, that I just, I just respect that so much and I love it. Um, so well, I would love to continue the conversation on that last thing as, as we close out, I want to get really concrete because this is, this is my favorite part of this whole thing is let's say you're looking at developing a relationship with someone, you have their email address. You like, I don't know if there's a particular person you can come in mind. I didn't come up with a specific example, but let's say your objective is to bring them in as a speaker to younger, the you're, you have a blanking cur- a blinking cursor on you on your Gmail account. Like what, what does that outreach look like? Or who are you looking to reach out to? And what, what might that message look like? I think, well, first off, I'm going to say this is continuous struggle for me. Like, it's nothing that you like completely 100% master because every person is unique. So when I do new connections, it's not like I have like a template model where it's like, okay, great. Like, I I, I know you can get to a certain place, but for me, it's – I. I always want an, a genuine heart connection piece. And so for that, my, my team doesn't like it as much because it means it's more customized, but it it speaks to the person. And I think you that's really to. important that the person feels seen and heard, that they don't feel like they're just another person that they've gotten a blanket outreach to. And that's actually one of the reasons why we I agreed to come on this podcast is because to your point, I was busy with doing Yunga and it was just a crazy time, but I got your message and you had it personalized. You had quoted on something you got from a TED talk. It was personalized to me that is like, you actually spent time looking at what I do. Like it wasn't just like a blanket outreach. And then second is then you asked how you could be a service to me. And those were two character treats that immediately right away I saw. I was like, okay, wait, I'm going to take a double down and look at this further. And so I try and do the same thing when I outreach. I try and find a common connection point. So what do, for me, it's what do they care about? What is the impact they want to create in the world? So I would look at, let's say, a celebrity, a music artist. I'm going to see what causes do they generally care about? What is something that they could be doing with their platform that they're not that I could add value? Because they get requests tens of times a day. So what can make me stand out where I can add a unique value point to them that would be different than what they have? Yeah. So I will find those two common things. What impact do they want to create? What is the legacy they're trying to create in the world? How can I add unique element to it that is not um, what they're already receiving? And then adding in this, the last part is you do want to put some credentials or backup of like what else you've done. So you kind of start with some sort of connector point, then what your ask is, and then back it up with something of like, and here's everyone else that I've worked with, or like here's some past work examples. And if you're not at that stage yet, and you've worked with a lot of names, 
it's not necessarily just about the names. It's also work samples and things. So create a sample portfolio or better yet, create a custom element that's that's related to the pitch that you're doing yeah. like there's different ways you can overcome that if like that's a sticky factor for you but um basically it's heart credibility and connection yeah. are kind of the three elements that i look for so so good i i love all that and i totally realized that i screwed up and our time is like up so i don't i don't want to make you la- uh, late for your last <laughs> thing so normally i wouldn't just end things super abruptly but let me just really quick have a conversation with you listening um, I just want to say this is your very first episode and you could be listening anywhere else, but you decided to be hanging out with myself and Kelly today. I'm so, so grateful for you. And if you're returning, welcome back. You're absolutely what makes this possible. And the, the thing I always say at the end is whether you were new or returning, I have a favor to ask you. And that is if you've been inspired by Kelly's story from, you know, reaching out to be a main stage speaker for the first time in front of 7,000 people and just making sure that she had the passion, persistence, if that was motivating or some of the stories about how she's been able to connect with people and create all this impact in the world. If that has touched you today, you can absolutely change someone's life by sharing that this this episode with them so whether you choose to do that or not i appreciate you so much and kelly i appreciate you so much for your time today this has been absolutely incredible um any last things you want to say as we head out today uh, first off just thank you i want to take a moment to acknowledge you because you are creating a platform that is creating the very um integral connections that we were just talking about today so i just want to acknowledge you and then the last thing i want to leave with the audience is um i think there's um a benefit of uh, humility when it comes to leadership of I like to look at every connection that someone has a gift for you. So as much as you move up in your career or whether you're starting off and you're just at the beginning stages, if you treat every person as if they have a gift of something that they're to give to you, whether it's knowledge, wisdom, a truth bomb, whatever it is, I feel in and of itself, you're going to approach that relationship a little bit different. So again, it kind of changes that mindset of like, okay, what can I get out of them? And this it goes back to then what can... What can I give them in return for this gift that they're going to give them? And it also sparks this little curiosity component of like, what am I going to learn from this person? Mm-hmm. And so I would just, that's the last little nugget I'll, I'll leave with the, everyone is your next connection point. Just kind of look at it from the perspective, what gift can these individuals give from you? And they can come from any aspect of life. I know someone who has worked at the Oscars for 10 years and she got the job from being kind to someone who was moving chairs at an event she worked at. Mm. So everyone has something that they can give you and not to underestimate because we talked about that at the beginning. Sometimes the most powerful people in the room are the ones that are super chill, um, inconspicuous, and you never know um, who you could be talking to. So pleasure to connect with everyone and yes love to connect offline so if you liked anything that was said here please feel free to reach out and um otherwise thank you so much brandon you've been doing such an amazing work and i'm grateful to be a part of this yeah love that and really quick just go check out i'll make sure everything is linked in the show notes if you want to find out where to find out more about kelly from bridging the gap she's got an incredible app that she's working on too and you can find out about young and all that stuff so that'll be linked up so you can find out more about kelly's world but uh kelly appreciate you so much and we'll talk to you soon thank you so much